You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. teach and preach from your word. We ask for a passion to preach, clarity to articulate your mind. We thank you for an anointing upon this house that we may hear, that we may conceive, that we may do. Our Father, we thank you because you do a work in us and outside us. God's people shouted a big amen. amen. A huge amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate Jesus. All right, if you would open with me your Bibles to Genesis chapter 30, uh, read from verse 27 to 36. Um, Genesis chapter 30, verse 27 to 36. If you're first time at LifePoint, good morning, welcome, thank you for coming to church today. And Laban said to him, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes. For I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. And then he said, name me your wages and I will give it. And so Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now, when shall I also provide for my own house? And so he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and all the spotted and speckled among the goats. And these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me, in time to come, when the subject of my wages comes before you. Everyone that is not speckled and sported among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And uh, Laban said, oh, but it were according to your word. And so he removed that day, the male, that day all the male goats that were speckled and sported, all the female goats that were speckled and sported, everyone that had some white in it, and all the brown along with all the, along, among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. And then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. We continue this discussion today about how to live a great life. Um, we started a couple of weeks ago talking about how when you look at John chapter 10, that Jesus says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, but I have come that you may have life, and not just life, but have life in abundance. And we said that life, that Jesus life, 
surely is a different type of life from what people had been used to. So when Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, he says, you have died. He says, but your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I know that we don't like sounding morbid, but the truth is you have died already. God forbid, God forbid. You know, but, but Paul's, <laughs> in the, if you read the book of Colossians, he's constantly trying to encourage you that the next time someone is threatening you with death, you just simply need to look them in the eyes and say, you missed it. That I have already died. It's like, no, I can't say that. But I'm not the one who says it. So he says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He says, and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God, or in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What Paul simply says is that Jesus died so that he took my place. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So Jesus dies, representing our death. And he says in Galatians chapter 2, he says the life which you should now live in Lagos, Nigeria, 2018, it's not your life anymore. I know there used to be your life. There was a consideration and a plan for in his life, right? Um, early in the message to go to Ibadamo. Let's go there. A couple of months ago, or weeks ago, 18 years ago. You're 18, right? A couple of <laughs> 18 years ago, in his born, there's in his life, all planned out, right? Uh, she's going to go to the fantastic school in Ibadan, then go to the University of Ibadan, then and marry an Ibadan guy, you know, and, and do all sorts of nice things in Ibadan, and, and then become the, the governor of, uh, of Ibadan. <laughs> but, but it says, no handgun. It says, it is no longer any who lives. I know there was a plan. I know there was something in the hearts of your parents. It says, it is now Christ who lives. So Paul says, the life that I live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. And, and so, we consider today, look, Jesus and our walk, this great life and our walk, the works of our hands. The, and I say to myself during the week, does this mean that it is not exactly me who is trying to be... Um, Whatever it is I'm trying to be in this life. What is your occupation, my brother? Huh? Currently. Now, yeah, what, is, what, what are you trying to become in life? A financial analyst. Okay. So it's not, it's not, so is, is Jesus living in that, trying to become a financial analyst? Does it make a difference? It's Jesus living in you, trying to become a lawyer, does it make a difference? It's Jesus living in you, trying to be a, a Grammy-winning musician like Follaby. Does it make a difference? It's Jesus' life. Does it have an intersection? Is there an expression of it in our work life? Because our work life is a great part of our life. A huge part of our lives. 
If, if you aren't working yet, just wait for it. You hear when it says a nine to five, it is not nine to five. That is what the document says. <laughs> it really is a nine to five. Because sometimes once you wake up in the morning, you are working already. So let's even say it was a nine to five. You then are spending what? What's that? Nine to five is eight hours every day. It's not even eight hours every day. But if you spend eight hours every day working, there are 24 hours in, there are 24 hours in the day. Okay? There are 24 hours in, that's a third of your day spent at work. I mean, of course, we can separate all the time you spend on Facebook, Instagram, you know, and all that from it. But it's a big part of your life. So does this Jesus life, does God living in us, does it affect our businesses? Does it affect our work? That is our consideration today. And we see already from Scripture, you know, when you read John chapter 21, instances where Jesus would, you know, just interfere with the lives and the businesses of his disciples. The Bible says in John chapter 21 verse 4 to 6, but when the morning had come, had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Will you help me tell someone next to you, tell them God wants to get into your business. God wants to get into your business. And they need to get familiar with you poking them and telling them stuff because you're going to help me preach this message. So look to the other person who seems to be nicer, warmer, and just tell them God wants to get into your business. He wants to get into your business. Luke chapter 5 and verses 4 to 8. The Bible says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. <laughs> but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. And nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And then they came and filled both the boats. So they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. A couple of months ago, I think it was last year, we had this discussion where we spoke about the five pillars of wealth. And I remember we then talked about something, a message, called the power of work. Uh, one of the things we said during the power of work was that work is not a cost word. That in fact, <laughs> but when God creates man, he gives man occupation, employment. We said that work without um, a return, without fruitfulness, is an indication of the cost but that work in itself is not a cost word. That we are meant to work. So, so Paul would say to the church, he said, he that does not work should not eat. 
Since people should not be idle anymore, but they should find something to do with their hands, that they may have something to give to those who are in need. Remember we said in that message, how that the work of a blessed man is as the, it's like a landing pad for the favor of God. I remember we said that how when God says, I want to bless you, that there is a process. But one of the things that God will do in that process is that he will prepare you. And one of the ways he prepares you is that he gives you work. I remember we read, I think it was Genesis 26, and we spoke about how Isaac sowed in the land. And I explained that that sowing in the land is different from the giving of money. Because he was literally, he was actually sowing in the land. He was a farmer. So he went to work. And so the increase that scripture describes there is actually about God settling down upon the work of a man. And we said work is extremely powerful and must be sought after. So help me ask the person, what kind of work are you doing? If you, if you know some pidgin English, would you ask them in pidgin English? Which kind of work are you doing? Okay. Father, thank you. I need God to help me today because so, so years ago I remember how saying, you know, learning that there's a difference between the birthright and the blessing. In Genesis 27, we know the whole story about Jacob and Esau. And Jacob first takes from his brother the birthright. You know, he exchanged the birthright for some lovely uh, shawarma or, or just, just porridge. It's just, you know, he's so hungry. Just give me the, so what is the birthright to, okay, just, I'm about to die here. And this, this, this your porridge is, do you put, you put pepper? Is that, is that snail and what's, what, is that shrimps? I can say, God, I'm about to die. Just look, take the birthright. Give me this, 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 and, and he gives it to him. And time goes on. Jacob is at the time in possession of the birthright. But then the father is about, the patriarch is about to go on. And he says to, to, to Jacob, he says, uh, to, to Esau, he says, look, uh, would you go get me this so my heart can come into a place and bless, I can proclaim a blessing upon you. And his brother connives, or the mother connives with his brother. And, and you know the story. The brother goes in and gets the blessing. Genesis 27 and verse 36. And Esau says, is he not rightly called Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. So it's Genesis 27 and verse 36. He has supplanted me these two times. He said he took away, firstly, my birthright. He says, and now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me. And, and this was important. I remember a couple of years ago, it was almost eight years, I was asking Pastor God, my pastor, what is the difference between this birthright and the blessing? And as time, you know, goes on, I've come to understand that the birthright is about position. It's almost about what accrues to you in a natural order. So if you exert effort, you should get this. If you are the first to get there, you should get this. You know, so they would talk about something called, for example, those who do strategy talk about first mover advantage. You know, so, so when you get there first, by the time your competitors come, they have, they, there's, 
you are so entrenched. And that is about the birthright. It's about the birthright. But the blessing is an empowerment that is beyond position. And just follow me. There's a method to all this today. And I hope that is clear as, as I speak. So there is the blessing and there is the birthright. So the blessing, the birthright should position you for the blessing. But it does not necessarily mean that you would get the blessing. And what is interesting is Jacob has the birthright, but he has to run. He has to leave the place where the birthright means something. Because the birthright means something when property is being shared. But he can't be there at the time. So he has to take off. And, and, and so Jacob essentially has to depend on the blessing. And what amazes me as time goes on in the first text that we read is that the blessing propels Jacob to a place where he finds an inheritance in another man's organization. He finds the manifestation of the blessing as he works for someone else's business. I, I, I'm going to put all this together. And so I began to feel a stirring in my heart. If I had a subtitle for today's message, it would be how you can always get a bonus. How you can always, I mean, and you, 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 you love a bonus. You like going to work on a Monday and then you just get this email from the CEO says, because we have done so well in the last one year, we have now credited all staff with a million naira. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> you just wake up. Your your whole being, spirit, soul, and body, just wakes up again. You start to sing to yourself. <laughs> you pick up the phone and you just call Falabi, who refused to lend you money yesterday. I just wanted to greet you, Falabi. <laughs> you just like a bonus. I mean, I was on social media. Uh, over the weekend, and, and I saw this member of church, you know, just celebrating and put on her Instagram page, bonus time, you know. In you, my message today. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. But help me tell someone next to you, you are going to get a bonus. 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 And so what, so don't, don't forget this. There is a bet right. There is position in the works. This is all the good you can do by your strength. But there is the blessing. The blessing is upon Jacob. And then, you know, he gets into Laban's house. And it's amazing what men will do when they're in love. He falls in love with this girl and says, Laban, I'm going to work for you for seven years. I wish I could divert here and just look this girl who's about to get married to this guy and say, can he work for you for seven years? But I can't divert because where we're going is far. But maybe one day, just remind me. Maybe your girlfriend should remind me. Because, but but it's, it's amazing. Seven years. Top a guy next to you says seven years. Seven years. All these rush, rush people. Seven years. Seven years. <laughs> this man is working to... Ma Holy Spirit, thank you. Seven years. But no, no, it's not just seven years. Because Laban is a is a cunning man, you know. And Laban switches it. 
gives him the other sister. I says, in our place, we can't, ha, we can't marry the younger woman. He says, but no, I'm going to stay here and work another seven years. <laughs> 14 years. Uh, tell, tell, tell the brother next to you, it's 14 years. 14 years. Let me just stay on my lane. <laughs> I can really feel some guys looking at me. P, I don't go here. <laughs> the Holy Ghost asked me to come to church today. P, I don't go here. Don't, don't make it hard. But, but he's there for 14 years. And when you read Genesis chapter 31 and verse 41, he says, Thus I have been in your house 20 years. 20 years. So his first 14 years, he's working for this man to marry the woman he likes. That is another message. Another day will come there. But then he continues, I have been working for you for 20 years. He says, I served you, or he even says it, 14 years for your two daughters. And then six years for your flock. He says, and you have changed my wages 10 times. He did not mean that he had increased it, no. Oh, no, 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 no. He means that every time I came to you and said, after tax and pension, I meant to get 512,000. I said, No. He says, the God, he says, we didn't do as well. It's now 480. Then it was 460. Then he says, you kept on reducing my wages. But you know, they can cheat you out of your wages, but God will still give you an inheritance. And, and I'll say to myself, because what, what he was explaining to him was, look, I was working for you in your organization for 20 years. I did not really like you as a boss because you were cheating me. But the birthright and the blessing, specifically the blessing, was working something in and through Jacob's life. He was bringing, so you know, this was almost as if the more they cheated Jacob, the more he prospered. Help me tell the person next to you, you're going to get a bonus. 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 You must shout this amen well, and I hope you're shouting at the end of the message. You must shout it well. Because I, I feel, I think that a number of us have been working for the wrong person. You've been working for the wrong person. <laughs> because you go to work, who do you work for? I work for Mobile Oil Company. Go out with me now. Who, who do you work for? Uh, uh, Julius Becker. Who do you work for? Uh, civil servant. Who do you, I work for myself. Let me ask the person next to you, who are you working for? Because it is the person who you work for that pays you. Okay, I need to, I need to calm down and follow this note. <laughs> so I said to myself, if there was a blessing under the Old Testament that could produce such amazing success in a career, in business, that could cause a man that someone was deliberately trying. And you know, for them to cheat you ten times probably meant that by the fifth time, Jacob had stopped checking his wages. Because if he'd be like me, by the fourth time, I'm like, this is wrong, boss. You can't do it. So it means the man didn't care. And it was, so he was gotten to a place in his career, in the works of his hands, that it wasn't just an arrangement with a man or a woman. It wasn't just an employment contract that he was looking at. <sighs> New Testament. Colossians chapter 3. Paul says to the church in Colossae, he says, and verse 23 to 24, 
And whatever you do, and whatever you do, it says to do it happily as to the Lord and not to men. Go, stay on the scripture, please. Stay, stay there. It says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Help me ask the person next to you, who are you working for? Who, who are you working for? Mm. Not to men. Not to men. Why? Verse 24. Why, Paul? Why? He says, knowing that from the Lord. Someone says, from the Lord. He says, you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Um, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5 says, in the mouth of two or more witnesses, let every matter be established. Ephesians chapter 6 and from verse 5. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5. It says, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Verse 6 says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ Doing the will of God from where? From the heart. And verse 7 says, um, verse 7 says, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Verse 8, please. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. I believe that the greatness that God is looking to express in our businesses and in our careers must first come from understanding who you are working for. I come to this very quickly. I believe something, that Jesus' life manifests in a number of ways, helps us reconfigure in a number of ways. One thing, is that it helps us understand and maximize the seasons and the times of our work. I know that wherever you are, if, you, if you're in a career, uh, they possibly tell you that this is the career path. Yeah? So you become an associate, then um, a senior associate, then what's after that? Uh, manager or VP and then and the partner. That's how it works in some places. Some places there are 18 steps. Some places there are only two steps. Owner, staff. You know? <laughs> right. That's, yeah. Some places, you know, there, there are more steps. There are six. It's flat organization. We're flat. Everybody call yourself first names. We're slippers to work. We don't believe in titles. Don't worry. But there is a path. Um, if you run a business, there is a path. There's that period of time when you, you know you say you're running a business, but you know what you're just really saying, that you're running yourself, because it's just you. So I own my own company. How many staff? Oh, you know, we're in the growth phase. We're just... <laughs> but you are the company, okay? You are the secretary. <laughs> you are the analyst. You are HR. You know, and then you move on to, you know, where you then employ your first guy. You know, and you're feeling very good. I'm an employer of labor. <laughs> then you employ a driver. One person here, one, then you now have 10 staff. You say, I have a conglomerate. 
But then it begins to grow. Then you have 30 people. Then you have a branch. Then you have people out. So it, there's, but you know, one of the things that Jesus' life does, I love the scripture, I think it's Ecclesiastics. It says that a man that has wisdom in his heart descends proper timing and procedure. In Proverbs chapter 6, from verse 6, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. It says, Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your, your need like an amber. Just tell the person next to you, wake up, wake up, wake up, yes, wake up, uh, wake up. By the way, we spoke about power of work. We said that it is, that there is no, there is absolutely no justification for a child of God to be idle. That it doesn't matter whether they've given you a job or not. Because what happens when you do not work is that you are delaying the manifestation of the blessing of God. In fact, I remember saying how that sometimes some people are waiting for a degree before they start working. And, but there are people who will tell you, because a degree is important, but a degree in itself does not guarantee work. And I know we have got students here, okay? So, I mean, uh, Tokwe will tell you, for example, that she had run a couple of businesses. Tokwe is one of our pastors here. She had run a couple of businesses even before she graduated. What season are you in? I'll tell you why this is important. What season are you in in your career? He says in Proverbs chapter 6 that there is what the ant does in summer, what it does in the harvest. I think that the early phases of our career, of our business, is essentially times when we should gather knowledge. The Bible says the man who gathers or increases knowledge increases strength. The times when we should learn diverse skills, when we should get an education. The times when you should come to an understanding of products and of markets. Because what happens is we find too many people who do not want to subject themselves through the process. I remember reading Daniel uh, uh, yesterday, I think it was, and how, and how I, you know, when, when he talked about the work that God did in Daniel's life, he says that he, he caused him to, him and the other guys, the other three Hebrew children, he caused them to excel, to be distinguished. He says, in all manner of literature and learning. Help me ask the person next to you, is it early stage for you? Is it early stage for you? Mm, is it early stage for you? Is it early stage? Because, because this, this I, I believe, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians that Jesus has become unto us wisdom and power. Now, one of the things that Jesus' life does in us is that it gives us wisdom to discern timing. I mean, if you've ever, like, I mean, what's, I've said the story before. I, I used to like running as a child. And I remember in secondary school, I ran the 200-meter race into house sports and all that. My simple principle for running was start fast. 
I did not know that the 200 meter race did not necessarily respond to that principle. So I remember starting like a bullet, boom. And then I think by the 100, by, you know, after you've done like 100 meters, your body starts to explain to you, Chief, I'm not going any further. You can move your spirit and soul, you can go. But this is where your body stops. And all the people I thought I was ahead of, that's when, I mean, it's even worse when you're doing a 400 meter race or 800 meters, which I just think is punishment. If you start 800 meters, let's go, bam, and then you just go, boom. <laughs> Some of the people you are running with may be Kenyans. <laughs> Who? <laughs> so, I'm not joking. When them all go to run marathons, yeah? So, you know, I am always there to support as a coach. No way you can make it. God, and when she takes off, I go to the hotel, get a drink or something, come back at the you know, two hours. Go, girl, go, girl. And go back, watch TV, come back. And at the end, I meet her. But what never ceases to amaze me is how that by the two-hour mark, two-and-a-half hours mark, when I'm going back to the hotel, at least I'll probably stay in the same hotel, or you start to see these Kenyans, these Africans, you know, two-and-a-half hours. My wife is still, still in the middle of their race. So Kenyans are already tweeting and you know, you're already cheating. Nice race, good race. <laughs> They finished the race. They have chained. They've showered. They are home. <laughs> the rest of us, you know, the rest of us who are learners, and, and they're not learners. So these people who do the race in six hours, they're not learners because we, <laughs> we are coaches. We, but the thing is, the thing is, so there are so many people who start in their careers and their businesses looking at the Kenyans. And like, ah, eh? Are you living lucky? I can live in lucky. You buy a car, I can buy a car. You're traveling business class. I can travel business class. <laughs> but you don't realize that Jesus' life within you is calling your name. Ibuku. <laughs> These people are Kenyans. <laughs> Says the ant will gather supplies. So, God says, Jesus says to the disciples, launch out into the deep. Why? Because your preparation begins to prophesy about the size and the nature of the harvest that you're expecting. So, for some of you, I can tell where you are going in your careers if you tell me what you're doing now. If we sit down for five or ten minutes and say, talk to me about your life, I can tell how far you want to go in business. I can tell. So, so there, is, there is the concept of taking root downwards that you will bear fruit upwards. Help me tap the person next to you. Tell them, launch into the deep. Launch into the deep. Yeah, yeah, launch into it. Because it's the beginning. It's the phase when you're supposed to be gathering, putting things in place. I mean, you know that the foundation, people who build, the foundation for a bungalow is different from the foundation needed for a skyscraper, sir. Okay? And so, it is not a race, right, to finish building the foundation first. So, you know, I, I mean, you've come, you've been in exam halls before where you are still in question two in the middle. Someone just says, um, extra shit. <laughs> extra what? It's even worse when someone just stands up, I'm done. Say so you're finished, oh, I'm done, sir. It's very easy. 
You're like, <laughs> how? You know, extra sheet, or you hear graph sheet, graph, <laughs> graph, <laughs> graph sheet. <laughs> but it's <laughs> help me tell someone build your foundations. Tell them what God wants to build in your life is going very high. I think that a number of us, and I need to, I need to move on, but I think a number of us have become enamored with stories of people who have come out of Silicon Valley, for example. You just design an app. Good, 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 good. Just design an app. Just put the app there. They just came, they bought the app, one billion. He's a billionaire. Let me say, I should come and work for 20 years. Why? 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 So we no longer have respect for process. No, no respect. Didn't you hear that Bill Gates? Did you know about Bill Gates? He left school. He dropped out. Uh -huh. <laughs> Me, I haven't finished school. Why should I not be rich in one, 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 one year? <laughs> the Bible says in Job chapter 28, it says that there is a place where silver is mined. There's a place where gold is mined. When you read that whole chapter... He begins to explain, but it is not on the surface. And it says, men will light a lamp and they will go on the ground. Your preparation reveals the size and the nature of the harvest you're expecting. There's the mid phase of your career or your business, where you're launching out into things like management, specialization, new ventures. You are learning how to lead, you are building credibility, you are forming partnerships. There is the later stage where you're consolidating, you are establishing, where you're talking about ownership, industry leadership. There is all that. Look, I, we, can't, we can't spend too much time here on, on this particular point, but the thing for me is that one of the things that the Jesus life, the life of God within us, wants to show us is, look, guys, would you have respect for process? Would you have respect for development? I know I say every day, that look, you know, Follaby is going to be is a Grammy award-winning musician. But it's not just by, you know, by holding the mic and singing every day that he's going to do that. He's going to have to go to school. Because you and I know there are plenty of people who can sing. But he's going to have to understand. I mean, I was listening to someone once saying, look, eh, you know that there is, there is the technology of music. You and I, sometimes, you know, just hear a song. We don't know what the song is saying. But we like the song. I remember saying to somebody yesterday, this thing they are playing, this leg back, 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 something. What are they saying? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know too. But the music is good. What, they, <laughs> what they've done, they understand the techno. They understand. Sometimes you just hear the beat. No, you don't. You just be moving. <laughs> that thing, eh? They went to learn it too. You think they just went to the studio and said, let's do it. Yeah, leg back, leg back. And you just say, no, sir. No. No, they've come to understand what this generation, how does this, how do the brain, what is happening in the brain of this generation? How does it work? Look, the guys who've invented all sorts of things in social media, the people who've come to understand that we, we, you and I like to be liked. Eh? The money they're making from that understanding, you post something on Instagram, two minutes, three likes, <laughs> you are happy. <laughs> it's your money they're collecting <laughs> three minutes, ten likes. No like, they know that you're unhappy. 
hours later. Hey, God. <laughs> and I use the right filter. <laughs> then start calling your friends. Jumoke, you didn't see my post on Instagram, Abby. No, is this how we're going to be doing it now? <laughs> you and I only see that. No, people sat down. How are people? They know we like to be liked. How many followers do you have? <laughs> we like to be followed. So while you are buying followers, using your hard-earned money to buy robots and all those to follow you so that you can tell your friend, I have two, I've made it. 10,000 followers. There is someone who actually understands the technology of this thing. So I just say, you must beware of the law of this hammership. You know what says the guy has hammered? Because hammering is simply success without process. Right? And that's what leads people to the place where they want to do um, give me examples, Samuel. Why, why, why? What's why, why? <laughs> Yahoo, Yahoo. For those of you who just got back, you, you don't know what Yahoo, Yahoo means. It's internet fraud. It's sitting down in your bedroom in Ikeja and chatting with a grandma in Germany and telling her how you love her and collecting her retirement money. Tell the person next to you, repent. Repent. And let's just say it globally in case it comes to someone. Repent. You have to be aware of this law of hustling. Now, what hustling is, is that it's craving success without product or service. So you have nothing of value to, nothing, no service. You have nothing to bring to the table, but you're a hustler. You just, where did, where something, where's, where did the tank, where did the foil tank spill? Just anything that can be, but there's no, there's no stability in it. There's no predictability in it. Help me tell someone that God wants to show you your season. God wants to show you your season. Very quickly, what does Jesus' life in us, how does it manifest? How does it create greatness in our businesses, in our careers? Now, this one is important for me. Colossians chapter 3 that we read, verse 23 to 24, Paul says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily, okay? He says, as to the Lord and not to men. Uh, when you read Ecclesiastes, I think he was kind of quoting out of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. He says, whatsoever your hands find to do, Whatsoever your hands find to do, then put your heart into it. So you must bring your heart and your passion into your business and your career. Now, the pattern that I see in scripture is that your hands must find something to do first. And so when we say at the early stages, when you're a young man, a young woman, that you should skill up, that you should get an education, that you should be reading books. Please tell somebody, reading is not a course. Reading is not a course. It's not a course. No, no. That you should be filling yourself with knowledge, with skills. It's because what you do in that case is that you are extending your hand. What happens when you see that they want to recruit someone. Let's say the world, the WHO wants to recruit someone. 
And they say, we want a doctor or someone with medical experience of 25 years. You shut it down. The reason you shut it down is because your hands can't stretch that far. What happens when you see that XY bank wants to employ XY people? They say, they want someone who is good at financial modeling. Da, 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 da. You say, financial modeling, what's that? I don't know that one. You shut it down. Because your hands cannot extend there. You see the one that say they want a lawyer out of you know, law school, five years. I can do that one. Why? Because you went to law school. Ask the person next to you, where can your hand reach? Where can your hand reach? Because this speaks to birthright. Yeah? Where can, so because there are too many people who have not stretched their hands at all. And I know that everyone comes from different places and starts at different places. But when was the last time, because some people, when they graduate, that's the end. They shut down their brain, use a password, put it in a locker, and that's the end. Let me come to where some of us are. There might be someone here that since the day you graduated from university, you've never read another book. Just look straight. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Today is your day of repentance. I know your first degree dealt with you and you swore that never in my life. But the problem is that your hand is too short, sir. But let's move on. But the Bible then says, and I want to deal with this issue of frustration that I see with a lot of young people. A lot of us, in this generation, I see it a lot. You've only worked for two years and you are frustrated. I tell you what it is. I tell you what it is. It goes back to this whole concept of who is your employer. Because we live in an imperfect world, we will have jobs that are not perfect, and we will work for imperfect people. Or if you're doing a business, you live and do your business in an imperfect country. I don't know if you have noticed, but Nigeria is not exactly perfect. So you want to start a business, and by the time you do your budget for your business, a huge part of your operating costs are spent on just making sure you have lights. Right? And there's frustration that's that comes from the inside. But what I realize is because a number of people keep thinking that they are working for a boss, working for X company, working for this person, or even working for themselves, they then get frustrated so quickly. So if I assume, right, that I'm working for God, if we assume, church, that all the work we're doing is for God, whether you own the business or not, how would you work? If God tapped you tonight, said, Pam, I know you think you're going to work tomorrow for this nice gentleman. He says, no, 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 no. I am your new employer. How would you go to work on a Monday? What would you do when you got to the office? If Jesus was sitting in the next seat to you, since we're co-laborers on this, right? How would you work? <laughs> because Jesus' followers must develop a work ethic that is inspired by the concept of God being our employer and rewarder. 
Because when I was saying you will get a bonus, I mean it. But you know it is God's staff that gets a bonus. Because when you are paying, I mean, you, when they are declaring a bonus in mobile, Chevron staff do not show up. I say, ah, we hear you about declaring bonuses. Oil, we're on oil and gas. That doesn't happen. Unilever staff don't show up. I say, ah, give us our, we hear your, your share. That doesn't happen. Help me ask the person next to you, who are you working for? Who are you working for? I believe that our work must become part of our worship to God. Whether you're running a business for yourself, whether you're employed by Laban, your work, because that's the only way you do not come to the place of frustration. How does Jacob, carrying the blessing, work for this man for 20 years? Even the thought of it, someone's like, my God forbid that I ever work for somebody for 20 years. We forget, ladies and gentlemen, I know the times have changed, but we forget the kind of careers that our parents had but enable them to give us the life that we now have. I know times have changed. I know times have changed. But I'm saying that these guys, there was something, there was some stain power that people had that they could walk somewhere for 10 years. Let me ask the person next to you, who are you working for? Who are you working for? I remember in 20, in 2008, I was going to change jobs. And I was driving on 3rd Mellon Bridge, coming towards the island. I remember... I was praying, I was praying about this job offer. And the only thing, I kept telling people in the coming months, that I could hear God say to me was, come and walk for me. And, you know, I was a bit careful because I wanted to understand if that meant that I should come into a full-time ministry. I'll become a pastor. Oh, God. Take my life, but leave some for me. <laughs> but I didn't get the sense that that's what he was talking about. As the years went by, I've come to realize that it was God saying, it, is, it does not matter who has employed you. It does not matter if you are even doing a business for yourself. Would you consider working as if I am the one that employs you? The one who, when Paul describes in Colossians chapter 2 or 3 there, he says the one who will reward you. The one from whom your inheritance comes. Because it is difficult to work without your heart. It's dangerous to work without your heart. There are too many people who are stressed, great jobs, but have not learned how to go to work with their hearts. So when you wake up on Monday, you're already miserable. That is a curse, ladies and gentlemen. You wake up on Monday, you're already, you're already sad. But it's because when you think of it, you think you're going to work for that guy. How about you, you, you begin to ask yourself and speak to yourself and say, look, come, I carry the life of Jesus within me. How about you begin to remind yourself that your reward actually comes from God. And so that when you show up in your office tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and you're beaming a smile from left to right, you say, Pam, what happened? Just never mind. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. You're happy to be here. I'm very happy to be here. So when you're in that meeting and 
And because we have all sorts of bosses, there are the bosses that shout, there are the bosses that curse, there are the bosses that connive, there are the bosses that treat. There are all sorts of people. But what gives you staying power even through all that is when you realize that <laughs> my reward, promotion does not come from this man or from that man or from this company. That God is the one who employs me. Some people don't work because they say, I want to find something that I'm passionate about. Uh-huh. This is a bit tricky. But... but the Bible says, whatsoever your hands find to do, do it with all your heart. The challenge is, there's so many people looking for what they are passionate about so they can put their hands in it. The thing is that your passions change. Most of us have been passionate. You, you, the, the things you were passionate about when you were 10, typically are not the things you're passionate about now. And I assure you, are not the things you'll be passionate about in the next 10 or 20 years. There might be. And if you find something that that intersection between what you're passionate about and what your hands find to do, great. You find it early, fantastic. But it cannot be a reason why you are idle. Because what happens is that there is the blessing of God. It's like a helicopter. It's looking for somewhere to land on you. There is Jesus' life on the inside. It's looking for expression. Jesus was passionate about people. He was passionate about God's kingdom. But I don't think Jesus was passionate about the cross. I don't think he was that kind of guy who was like, just take me to the cross. Nail me. Put the first nail here. See the blood coming out. I like the cross. Hey, hey, soldier. You've forgotten this hand. Nail it. Soon. Nail it. Oh, <laughs> no. That's not our Jesus. He was, Bible says, he was, that night, it was like some of us, you know, during appraisal season, the night before, the Bible says he was, he brought a couple of friends, watch with me. The Bible says he was, he was, he was, his heart was in a place of sadness. The Bible says he began to sweat and looked as if there was blood coming out. But he began to say, look, Father, not your will, but mine. He says, if this cup can pass over me. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Let me ask the person next to you, who are you working for? Who are you working for? I need to put this together and land, okay? We carry the blessing. The Bible says, have you found a man who is diligent in his work? The Bible says he will not stand before mere men, he will stand before kings. I believe that Jesus' followers, Christians, should excel at the work that they do, should give it their best shot. Reverend Sam, my pastor's pastor, my grand pastor, he used to say to us that you cannot be a Christian who makes the Christian carpenter, who makes a table but cannot stand. And then so when you deliver the table to your client, it's wobbling. And then you now start using, you know, gaga. It's the new styles now. It's the new styles. Can your work be looked at as good, as excellent? 
It's interesting that the anointing does not make work excellent by itself. It gives you the capacity to learn. It gives you the capacity to produce excellence. Daniel 1, 16 to 20, the Bible says, To these young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Daniel 6 and verse 3. The Bible says, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. Okay, let's put it down. The Bible says that there's a place you come to in obedience that you can enforce obedience. I believe that God is calling this generation of believers to one of the greatest expressions of glory that we have ever seen in the world. I believe that there's stuff God wants to do in the next 10, 15, 20 years, Christ tarries, that will astound men. I don't believe God is calling you to an ordinary career. I don't believe it. Look at every time <laughs> he interferes in the life of his disciples, in their business. He says, cast your net into the deep. Cast your net on the right side. The Bible says, you know, so I get the impression that Jesus is not that kind of guy. Some people tell me, Idris, you are dramatic. I'm like, yes, I'm dramatic. Jesus is dramatic. He could just, you know, Peter, you know, why didn't you just give him a dozen fish? No. Why didn't you just give him a net full of fish? No. You know, Peter is probably... He says, nevertheless, at your word, we're going to go. As Peter is going, the guys are grumbling. Peter, what is all this? We've toiled all night. We've tried with our best. He says, there's a blessing. This man says some things. He says, let's try. He says, never, let's put it on. And they put the thing out there. And the net is your hand. You know, you are, you are extending it out. And they put it out there. They launch out. And the Bible says, <laughs> they begin to try to pull it in. And can you imagine their amazement? Just imagine yourselves on that boat with the disciples. Yeah? Imagine yourself on the boat. We've been there all night toiling for a bit, sticking 20 years for a bit. But we've stayed with it. We've met Jesus and he says, throw it. And just imagine how, you know, they, they, they're looking and, they, and he doesn't, it's not 12 fish. It's not a thousand fish. I don't know how large the net was. But the Bible says the net begins to break. The Bible says they signal to their partners to come. The partners come. They put the harvest into the boats. The boats begin to sink. <laughs> and Jesus is just making a point to them. And I think he's trying to make a point to someone today. There's someone who needs to go and start a law firm. You're overdue for it. There are people who need to start businesses. There are people who need to, who need to get and start working. The people who need to prepare. There's so much that needs to be happening in your work. And with that mindset and with that ethic that says, I am doing this for God. That my work is part of my worship to God. <laughs> that image never leaves my mind. Will never leave my mind. Nets breaking. Boats sinking. <laughs> Miracle.
Bible says, be, an, be a follower of those who through faith, says, not be slothful. It says, but be a follower of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Because what happens when you've gone through this and you're carrying the blessing is you get to a place where you begin to pray some audacious prayers. You begin to pray and we're going to pray today. Is our faith in God reflecting when we pray over our career, when we pray over our businesses? Are we praying big, audacious prayers over ourselves? So, if you could come. Have you said anything over your career, over your business, that potentially even offended you and those who hear? Jesus will say certain things about himself. The Pharisees will be upset. How can you say that? David will say certain things. This is what happens if you do this and you do it. His brother was offended and said, how can you say that? Joseph will say certain things about what he felt God was staring up over his life. And his brothers will be up. In fact, his father said, you cannot talk like that. What is God, what have you said about your business? What have you said about your career? For someone, it's more than just words. It's in action. Someone needs to go back to school. Someone needs to go and learn something. There is such opportunity to learn in this world today that you have no right to remain illiterate. And I use that word lightly. Because you can have a degree but be illiterate. Ah, Father in heaven. I, when we prayed for this service, when we prayed for this service, I actually did pray that someone will find a job today. I did pray that God will inspire new businesses today. This life that we're carrying is not a joke. Paul says it is the life of Christ. So we're going to pray for anyone who is experiencing frustration, a lack of clarity, a lack of direction. We're praying for open heavens. We're praying this morning, uh, myself and the leaders and prayer team, and 1 Kings 18.1 came to mind. He said, go present yourself to Ahab. He says, I'm about to pour rain upon the earth. And we kept on praying and declaring that there's an end to any sort of drought. There's an end to any sort of drought. We'll do pray in the spirit for a minute, church. We'll do pray in the spirit for a minute, church. When we pray in the spirit, the Bible says we let the Holy Spirit pray through us. He prays mysteries to God. If you do not pray in the spirit yet, it's okay. Um, you could just lift your hands and say, Father, baptize me with the Holy Ghost. If you just sing a little gently, I want us to just pray a bit and we'll sing. But I want everyone to pray. The first question we're going to answer as we pray is who are you walking for? La bonda rabakanda magadosh kale paranda magadosh le bora krasata re progodosh. Are you working? Who are you working for? Le boka rabazanda regadosh kale paranda makade boragada. Are you working for the church? Are you working for the oil company? Are you working for the government? Who are you working for? E mata la barabasanda magadosh. Are you working for yourself? You know, you say I'm self-employed. <laughs> The man in Luke chapter 12. We'll say, look, I've done this all by myself. And God says, come, come, come. 
let me show you who your real employer is supposed to be. Who are you working for? I don't know if there's anyone who wants to start and say, Father, I choose to work for you. I don't know if there's anyone who chooses to say tonight or this afternoon, Lord, I choose to work for you. God is lifting his sending out application. He says, who will work for me? Is there anyone who will say, Lord, I choose to work for you? I know you are still a student, but will you work for God? I'm going to give a minute for people to just consecrate the works of their hands, their careers, their businesses to God. Enough. Enough. Would you please stand today? Would you please stand? Would you please stand? Would you just look for one, look for two people? And so we're praying in threes this morning. We're praying in threes. And all I want you to begin to declare over the lives of those people is that the reign of God comes upon their careers, come upon their businesses, and that they come into a season of divine productivity in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as they set their hearts to work for God, that Father, would you cause rain to pour forth in this season, whether they be small or whether they be big, whether they be young, whether they be old, whether they have worked for a year, whether they have never worked before. Lord, would you cause your rain? 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 Would you declare an end to drought? Would you declare an end to drought? An end to famine? An end to famine? An end to drought? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on, church. Would you declare an end to frustration? Would you declare an end to every kind of frustration? Every kind of delay? Every kind of unfruitfulness? Would you declare an end? Would you declare an end to patterns of failure? Patterns of rejection? In the name of the Lord Jesus, in this house, can we begin to call new jobs, new businesses, new promotions? In the name of the Lord Jesus, Will you begin to declare that we have net breaking, boat sinking miracles in this house? 
because we follow Jesus. Nevertheless, at your word, Hallelujah. I'd like you to take a minute and talk to God about your work, your business. I don't know what it is, the works of your hands. I'd like you to talk to God about it. Good ways to start praying in the spirit first. And as it begins to give you our threats. What God is inspiring you to say about your work. For someone you've never really worked, maybe you are still in school, but it's a great time to begin to declare that I have a great work, I have a great job, I have a great business. It's a great time to begin to declare, I will not be idle. It's a great time to begin to declare that my work glorifies God. It's a great time, church, to begin to declare, I come into a divine bonus. I come into a bonus that God has given. I come into a bonus that God has given. I come into a bonus that God has given. I come into a bonus that God has given. I come into a bonus that God has given. I come into an inheritance that comes from God. Lastly, this after this morning, we're going to pray for anyone who, like the disciple says, we've labored all night and we've caught nothing. You're in a place where you need God's help. You're in a place where you need God's help. You feel a, diff, a distinct sense of frustration. You need a new job new business, you need God's hand upon your business, all I ask that you do is to put your hand on your heart. All I ask that you do is to put your hand on your heart. You need God's help. And, and this is not time to be, to form. It's not time to pretend you and God know where you are at. But you need God's help. You need God's help. What we're going to do, church, is very simple. The Bible says when we have faith in our hearts, it says we shall speak to this mountain, be gone, be cast into the sea. And so, church, we're going, to, we're going to pray in the spirit one minute, two minutes, and we're going to begin to declare a release for everyone who is trusting God. We're going to begin to declare promotion. We're going to declare new jobs. We're going to declare that this business is come alive, a breakthrough. So I'd like us to just begin to pray in the spirit. i like everyone, help me pray in the spirit. Everyone, whether you are drumming, well, everyone, 
everywhere the multimedia booth I like us to just pray in the spirit everyone who told you you will remain small? Who measured out the boundaries for you? Come on, church. I like us to begin to declare in the name of Jesus a breakthrough for this brother, a breakthrough for this sister in the name of Jesus. I like us to begin to declare that every mountain is lifted and cast into the sea. I like us to begin to declare open doors in the name of the Lord Jesus. We call for miracle businesses. We call for miracle partnerships. We call for new jobs. We call for miracle jobs. He says with men there are things that are impossible. He says but with you oh Lord all things are possible. We declare that no longer shall the lot and the arm of the wicked rest upon the lot of the righteous. In the name of the Lord Jesus we break through on behalf of our brothers. We break through on behalf of our sisters. We declare they will not be small. They will not be idle. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on church. Emaka, emaka. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by Jesus. It may look like, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like, it may look like I'm surrounded. Come and declare, this is how I fight my battle. Sing it out. And this is how I find my battle. This is how I find my battle. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my He may look like he may look like he may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by hope. He may look like yeah, he may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. This is how I find my battle. This is how I find my battle. Sing it out, come on. This is how I find my battle. This is how I find my battle. It may look like, oh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like, it 
Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.